Welcome to the Imperfectly Perfect Campaign, sharing real-life stories from real people to unite them in global change for the face of mental health. We will also reduce the stigma, creating communication, healing, and awareness to save lives and inspire. Join us weekly as we talk to some of the highly acclaimed faces, influencers, experts, and others who have been through extreme adversity. Get ready to ignite your passion and fuel your curiosity because season 18 of the Imperfectly Podcast is finally here. And it's going to be an absolute roller coaster of inspiration, insight, wisdom, and deep conversations. I'm your host, Glenn Marsden, and I could have been more thrilled to take you on this incredible journey with me. In this season, I'm bringing you a star-studded lineup of some of the most iconic and influential personalities from around the globe. Each week, I'll be sat down with world-renowned faces from the entertainment industry, sporting legends who've left an inedible mark on the field, visionary corporate leaders shaping the future, and inspirational thought leaders. From Hollywood A-listers to sport champions, from innovative CEOs to those who've paved the way for change, Every episode will be an unforgettable deep dive into personal truths and journeys. Join me as I uncover the stories behind the fame, the challenges they've faced, and the wisdom they've gained along the way. It's not just about successes. It's about the imperfectly perfect path that they've walked to get there and delving into the deep conversations around mental well-being. Aaron Evans is an Australian professional footballer who plays as a centre-back or defensive midfield for the Indian Super League club North East United. He's been playing football since he was a child and has an incredible vision of the game. Known for his creative and offensive style of play, which has led him to be regarded as one of the best players in the world. A product of Capital Football Academy and ACT Academy of Sport in 2011, he moved to his first senior club playing for Canberra FC in the Capital Premier League when he was 16. He signed his first professional contract with Hong Kong Premier League Club in September 2014 at the age of 19, transferred to Thailand, and the list goes on. Basing himself over in Indonesia for five years, I could speak about this all day. So guys, without further ado, the first episode of season 18. It's an honour to welcome Australian professional footballer Aaron Evans. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate you reaching out and giving me the time to be on the show and give you some insight into how I deal with, um, obviously, mental health through my profession. Well, it was kind of funny because when I did reach out to you, obviously, I said to each and every person, like, let me see an updated bio if there's anything you want to talk about. And you was just like, right, I'm a professional footballer. I've just gone through your bio to let people know exactly what you've done and what you've achieved, mate. And it's a pretty incredible resume. So let's start there. Like, it just shows me that you're a humble guy when you talk about your achievements. So can you just take us, just for our audience in the US and the UK and everything like that, a little bit about yourself, Aaron, in terms of you've had this passion for football since a little kid, but where did that come from? Look, let me just start by saying I still am a normal guy. Regardless of me being a professional athlete for over 10 years, I still regard myself as a normal guy. I'm no different to an everyday person, although obviously I have the accolades, I have the resume, I have the career behind me. I still, as you just said, I I still pride myself on being humble. Um, So a little bit of my journey. Um, I loved football ever since I can remember, ever since I was a little boy. um, My old man loved football as well. So I was always around football growing up. His dream also as a youngster was to become a professional footballer. Um, It didn't work out for him for whatever reason. He got injured, blah, blah, blah. 
Um, so he had two boys, um, my older brother, who's 18 months older than me and myself. Um, and he kind of pushed us into football. Um, now that I look back on it, obviously as a youngster, you don't really realize that, but looking back on it kind of aggressively, like he wanted his sons to be football players, which for me, I loved because I, I found the passion early. I had the drive. I figured out that I've, you know, got a little bit of talent, but I've also got the the mental toughness and mental strength to be able to, you know, cope with the highs, cope with the lows, cope with the positives and cope with the negatives. Um, so even throughout my, let's say, semi-professional career into my professional career, I know I'm not the best football player out there. I know I'm not the most talented in every squad, but I know I work the hardest. And that's what I thrive myself on. I've always thrived myself on working the hardest, whether it's on the football pitch, whether it's outside the football pitch, whether it is to do with um, making my physical self better or even my mental self better or even just having the right community or the right circle around me to ensure that, you know, I've got that good group of people, good solid circle around me so that when times are good, I can obviously celebrate with them. But then when times are not so good, I can also lean back onto them. And, you know, it's not kind of like just having fake people or, you know, pretend people around that don't actually give you the words or the um, feelings that you need to hear in both of those positive or negative moments. So, yeah, as I said, um, as a youngster, always loved football. Um, grew up, um, I'm a Canberra, Canberra boy in Australia, so the capital. Um, grew up playing football, was on scholarship predominantly my whole junior career, which was fantastic for me for my development. Um, and then progressed, obviously, through the ranks. Wasn't the tallest, wasn't the strongest, wasn't the farthest, this wasn't the fittest, but I had the talent and I had the drive. And then going into my adolescence, let's say around 14 to 17 years old, um, I do have a dual citizenship. Uh, my mother's side of the family is Croatian-Slovenian. So when I was 14, I actually um, moved across to Croatia for a short-term period to train with a club called Dinamo Zagreb. They're one of the biggest clubs in Croatia. So I got to experience that professional life, let's say, younger than anybody would. Um, I later realized once I got there that I wasn't allowed to sign a professional contract because obviously all the T's and C's that go into being able to do that. So I came back to Australia and then obviously tried to continue progressing to, to hopefully one day become a professional. But obviously I took a lot from being in a foreign country on your own at 14 years old. Like that, that, that's insane. Like in the moment, I was like, this is the best thing in the world. But now looking back on it, I'm like, that was that was insane. Like how at 14 years old can you go? But at that time and throughout my whole career, because I love what I do and, and that's football, I can go anywhere and I can be anywhere. And I've also showed that through my professional career as well. It hasn't just been, you know, in comfortable countries or, you know, living that luxury, comfortable life. I've always gone to those unique places because I love, I love my job, but I also love experiencing the world and also challenging myself. And believe you me, it is definitely challenging the places that I've been. It's been no rainbows and, and, and sunshines for sure. There's been a lot of dark moments. There's been a lot of tough times, but I've gotten through them and 
I'm still here today and I still love what I do. I'm still thriving and that's where we're at. Wow, mate. But but what I want to touch on there is what you mentioned is that you do come across as as much as I've got to know you recently as as a very humble guy and where you've come from, your beginnings and speak of your father with high regard and everything. But in terms of traveling overseas and you spent, I believe, five years in Indonesia and then Hong Kong and Thailand as well, it's a huge cultural shock. And then going through it, like I know with a lot of athletes that I've learned from this campaign, is there does have to be a lot of resilience in terms of that mental capacity and how much you can hold. And there's not always going to be a yes and a no. And obviously through society, we're indoctrinated to money's good and fame's good and this, but what would you want people to know behind the scenes as Aaron Evans, as the guy, just like me, just like you? Yes, there's a highlight of a profession, but there's so much more to Aaron. And what are some of the struggles that you've had to anticipate, go through in terms of your career? Look, first of all, I'd have to say leaving everything behind and just getting up, leaving comfortability for some for a passion or something that I love. It's extremely, extremely difficult to get out of a comfort zone, to get out of, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a family guy. My, I was very, I was raised very, very comfortably. There was no issues at all. I could have stayed at home. I could have, you know, had a beautiful life. Um, but I chose not to because obviously I had a passion. So the first thing is obviously having to say my goodbyes to my family, to my friends. It's extremely difficult. And I'm, I'm grateful because I had my parents, my parents' support, which obviously made the transition leaving a little bit easier. And in the moment, I thought it was the best thing to do. I wasn't thinking about being homesick. I wasn't thinking about different culture. I wasn't thinking about different food, um, the language, you, you name it. I wasn't thinking about any of that because at the end of the day, I just wanted to play football. And then... Um, I left um, Australia when I when I just turned 18. So I was in, again, a foreign country on my own as an adult now, but also as a professional football player in Hong Kong, which was my first professional contract, all alone. I didn't know how to cook. I didn't know how to clean. I could not speak the language there. I couldn't read a map. I, I couldn't do anything. Not many people can at 18, let's be honest. And I didn't think about that prior. All I, like again, and, I, and I'll keep on touching on this. All I wanted to do was play football. But then when I got there, it was a massive smack in the face. It was unbelievable. I couldn't. I did. I didn't know anything. Didn't know the street I lived on. I didn't know the people. I didn't know the food. Nothing. I didn't even know how to wash my clothes. So that was the biggest shock. So. Thankfully, obviously, I had that support from my parents where I could just get on the phone with them and I'd literally be like, okay, uh, I'm lost. And my dad would help me. So that made me, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable straight away. And touching on that as well, my first professional game that I, that I played in in Hong Kong, my parents surprised me. Mm-hmm. And they were there in the stadium for the first game in front of 22,000 people. It was, I'll, I'll remember it like it was yesterday for the rest of my life. So the transition, although it was tough, the first couple of weeks, they made it easy. But then again, they obviously had to leave. They're not going to stay with me. They're not by my side 24-7. So I'm back on my own again. And then I'm like, oh, no, like, what do I do? 
how do I cope? So it's kind of like a, a working progress. It's kind of like when you when you start to walk as a baby or you start to, you know, talk, talk and learn English. I had to do all of that, but I had to do all of that at 18 years old. But on top of that, that wasn't even my job. My job was to go to training. My job as a foreigner was to be the best football player there in training and in match day every day. My my job was to do all the media. And then on match day, my job was to be the leader, the goal scorer, the one who stops the goals, the one who gets the three points for the team to make the team look better. So you put all of that onto my back at 18 years old, here's where it comes, the mental side of it. And I have struggled in parts with dealing with, with my, like the, the mental side of, let's say being on the football pitch and also being off the football pitch. Thankfully, I started at a young age so that throughout my career, I could learn from each experience. But early on in my career, I I, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to deal with being alone. I didn't know how to deal with anything that I just mentioned. And inevitably, that would carry and weigh so hard onto my shoulders that come match day, I wouldn't perform at my best because I didn't feel comfortable, I didn't feel confident, I didn't have, you know, that flair around me or that aura around me that I could showcase onto the football pitch because I was more worried about, oh, oh, shit, how am I going to cook dinner tonight? Oh, I didn't do the washing. Oh, I'm not going to have clean clothes for training the next day. So even it's something as simple as that, but it can also weigh so heavily on your shoulders. Obviously, when you are a public figure and your job is to be playing at the peak of your performance all the time. So I struggled. And even to this day, at times I still struggle. I still wake up when I'm, when I'm overseas and I think, why am I doing this? What am I doing this for? More so in the early days, it was, it was playing on my mind more. Nowadays, I've obviously learned the tricks of the trait on how to balance that, but it still comes into my mind. And does it affect me still? Yes, it can. Does it affect me as much as it used to? No, it doesn't. Mm. Wow, that's that's deep. It's a similar situation, different experiences. Obviously, you're a professional footballer, but there was a time that me and my wife decided to move to Thailand with her being there. I don't think a lot yeah. of people realise when you don't know and it's such a cultural shock, you're with your thoughts. And I was actually through my worst stage. My mental battles were body dysmorphia, being in the health and fitness industry. I had more time with my head. So I presume in you with mental resilience and football, if you're not playing it, you guess you're second guessing yourself. You're on your own apartment. Everything's consumed so much to a heightened level, isn't it? Absolutely. And I found through me being in those situations that I would turn to keeping myself as busy as possible, doing whatever I could. The busier I was, the more time I spent in the gym, the more time I spent working on myself. I learned to cook, didn't know how to even cook toast. Now I can cook a whole meal for my family if it was 20, 30, 50 people comfortably. So you learn things. And for me, I, le- I, I found out what works for me. And what works for me is obviously staying busy. I love working out, love working out. I could spend all day working out. 
obviously I can't do that because still, again, my job is to play football. Yeah. So I've figured out cooking is a great way. Reading is a great way. Now I've, um, I've got a partner. So speaking with her, interacting with her, even if it is long distance is okay. But just keeping myself busy works so much better than, you know, just sitting, sitting in your apartment, watching TV or scrolling on your phone or even just looking at yourself in the mirror because that's when your mind takes over your body and your mind is so much stronger than your body. And people, people don't actually realize that and people don't actually give themselves much, much awareness on how much stronger the mind is than the body. Yeah. I realize that thankfully and I've worked through making my mind as strong as my body in my own particular way. And at the end of the day, it's not the way everybody would do it or it's not even the advice that I've been given through all the people that I've spoken to over the years. But at the end of the day, it works for me. And if it works for me, then it works for me, which, 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 which is the best thing. It is, isn't it? It's like whatever floats someone's bow is that we're on a personal journey. We're coming in this world on our own. And as much advice as we can take from people at the end of the day has to resonate. But when you hit the height of your fame, obviously you're thrust. And I've had this conversation with a couple of people, obviously being in that public eye, you're thrust into this limelight and you have so many people looking at you and wanting to be around you. One of the questions I've not asked yet with anybody is, and it's a lesson that I've learned through IPC as big as the platform's got, how do you find the right people? Because you know there's a lot of people looking over you, through you, and around you to get to where they want. They see you as a literal goalpost because they see the fame and the stardom, and they're like, I want a piece of that. However, what I've learned through my journey, and I don't class myself as someone, but I know the platform is, it's been at points where I've gone, who wants to know Glenn for Glenn? So what is it like and how have you maneuvered through the noise when the fame does hit you hard? Look, this is this is the hardest question to answer and I don't have I don't have the right answer because obviously you're always going to have people come into your life and they could be there for a short stint or they could be there for a couple of years and vanish or they could be there throughout your your whole professional career, retirement and 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 pre-professional career. Um, I've come across obviously a lot of people who have just wanted to know Aaron Evans, the footballer, wanted to come to me, whether it was brands, whether it was people, whether it was other celebrities, doesn't matter who. When you're at your peak, when you are somebody, that's when majority of the people come. And I realized, because I've obviously gone through a lot of highs and a lot of lows and a lot of stagnant in my career, I've realized throughout my career, when I'm at my high, the people who come into my life are only there for one reason. They're only there to pick up the crumbs that you, that you allow them to pick up. Mm-hmm. So you've got to be careful, obviously, when you're at your peak of your career, who you allow into your circle. And then also in saying that, when you are stagnant in your career or where you are low in your career, you really do figure out the right people. And I believe that's when you, in my personal um, opinion, is that's when you know who is really on your side or who is really backing you in your corner or in your circle is when you are at a stagnant level or when you're at a low. 
because when you're at a high, everybody wants to be a mate. Everybody wants to work for you. Everybody wants to say, take a photo with you, you know, and all that. But that doesn't last forever. No, nobody, no athlete, no human being in the world is always at the peak, is always at 100%. Never. Like I can, I'm sure, I'm sure I'm being a hundred percent honest here. So the people that you do meet at that time, yes, like I said, they might have a positive influence in your life, but are they there for the right reasons? I'm not saying yes, I'm not saying no, but you've really got to pay more attention, which is also difficult when you're at your peak because, you know, you've got that confidence, you've got that aura, you've got that persona around you. It's difficult to take a step back and be like, ah, he was good for me. She was not good for me. That brand was good. That brand wasn't because obviously everything's happening so fast as well. You don't have time to think. But when you're at a low, it's kind of like like we discussed at the start. When you move, when you when you moved to Thailand or when I moved to Hong Kong for the first time, that's kind of similar to being at a low because that's when you take a step back and you're like in your mind so much and you're like, oh wow was this person good for me? Yes, they were. Let's keep them around and let's see. And then if if you believe, because at the end of the day, as, as we said as well, it comes back to a personal preference. If you believe there's somebody good, you keep them with you, you bounce off them to get to that stagnant stage and then you get to that peak stage. And then if they're still there, if they've still been the same person from um, the lowest to the middle to the high, then yes, I do believe they are the right people. And then in saying that, if you're at your peak and you meet people and you think they're the right people and you want to keep them around, keep them around. But then when you do dip or when you do hit rock bottom, are those people still there? If they are, then yes, potentially they were the right person or brand or or, or whatever to be in your life. But if they're not there or they go missing or they only want you when, when you're at your peak, you've got to ask yourself. And if you think they are the right person, that's entirely up to the individual. But the way I am as a person, if if my people or my circle aren't there for the highs, the stagnants or the lows, then they don't deserve to be in my circle for any of them. Okay. And I've obviously gone through a lot of experiences in my life where I've had where I've thought I've had the right people, they haven't turned out to be the right people. Or I've had the right people and they turned out not to be the right people. So it's just a lesson. It's, it's, it's a lesson of life and you're never, you're never going to know who is the right people besides obviously your family or the people that you grew up with. But in saying that, yes, they are your circle, but are they the right people to get you back to your peak? For example, if I have friends or family who don't have any involvement with football, but I'm trying to get back to my peak level of football, are they the right people to be around? Are they the right people to have, you know, the deep football discussions about to get me back to to my peak? Maybe, maybe not. Or, for example, is it like, oh, I bring on a psychologist or I bring on, you know, somebody that's a profession in my career to get me back to that peak performance? And again, that comes down to the individual. In my case, I'll stick with the people in my circle, whether or not my family or friends or the people in my circle know football or love football. I build confidence. I build myself back up through them. Yeah. Whereas some people, you know, might outsource to a, to a psychologist, might outsource to a new circle of friends to try to get themselves back to the peak. But for me personally, I think that's a short term burst 
not a long-term gain back to the top. Yeah, I love that answer. It's something that even before I started this campaign, I think you can tell when you're growing and you have past superficial conversations, like the wisdom that you're pouring out for anyone listening is just so integral to listen to. Because like I said, even before I started this, I used to think, why don't people come together and work together more and more as a collective? And then I realized people have a smaller circle because the more and more you're elevated or you're growing in your profession, you're like, exactly what you said. You've got to be very careful in all these things. But going towards the other side of fame, when things are written about you that are predominantly not true and there's all this excess stuff, how do you maneuver through that? I know there's obviously a support group, but again, if you've not been in this position, as society would perpetuate and put people on pedestals through the media as celebrities, what I've got to know is become friends with a lot. Nobody calls themselves a celebrity. It's a media, how they perpetuate it. How have you done that where you're like, you are looking at a piece of social media and you're like, where the hell did they make this up? Predominantly of everything that's in the media, whether it's myself or anybody else is not true. <laughs> I'll start by saying that. <laughs> because like I said at the start of this, at the end of the day, we are just normal people. Yeah. And whether that is, for example, if you like going out and doing things, why do we get put down as athletes for doing just a normal thing? I get there's limits. I get there's lines. I get all of that. I get we're under contract, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, we are normal people. So why, in terms of the media, why do they have to criticize or put a red line under our name just because we're a professional athlete? Like, I don't get that. But in my experience, my hardest time in terms of media, in terms of fans, was when I was in Indonesia. Indonesian people are football mad. Like, it's life for them. It's like being in South America, like Brazil or Argentina, where football is, is life. Mm. Indonesia was a massive, massive eye-opener in terms of myself, in my professional career, in terms of the media, in terms of the fans. Um, so in Indonesia, we'd fill out 60, 70, 80,000 seat stadiums every single game. Doesn't matter if you're playing the top team, doesn't matter if you're playing the bottom team, wild. You'd go in Indonesia, it was difficult for me to be a normal person in the sense that here in Sydney or here in Australia, simple things, walking to the cafe to get a coffee, going to the grocery store, filling up your car. In Indonesia, you, you cannot do this as a football player. And when I say this story, people are like, huh, Aaron, you're lying, you're joking. <laughs> I'm not. I wish I was. Honestly, I wish I was because as you can see, I'm very humble and I want to be a normal person. But in Indonesia, as a professional football player, you can't be. You're a Lionel Messi or you're a Cristiano Ronaldo in that country while you're there. And then add on the fact that you're a foreigner, you're in the spotlight even more. So dealing with the fans and the media in that country mentally was its own challenge. It was it was ridiculous. Like I would receive more than two, three, four hundred messages a day from people I didn't know saying I'm the best, saying I'm the worst, saying they're going to come for my family, saying they're going to rape my girlfriend, saying they're going to come to my, my house because they know where I live, saying that next time I step foot on the football pitch, they're going to come onto the field and attack me. Like they're just some examples, but this was common every single day. 
no matter what. And then that's not even me being able to showcase myself onto the football pitch. Mm -hmm. So that's me sitting at home, you know, just trying to have a relaxing time and then getting caught in the trap of reading social media comments, which I do not advise (laughs) at all. (laughs) One, turn off all notifications and two, never read DMs in my opinion, because when I first joined Indonesia, I thought it was the best thing in the world. I thought uh, being famous, everybody knowing who I was, was the best thing in the world. And yeah, cool it was. I loved it when it was positive. But the positive is only so minimal compared to the negative. Hmm. And when it's negative, it's very, very eye-opening. And especially, obviously, when they bring in things that aren't based on me. Like... I'm proud to say that now I'm at a stage where my mind is bulletproof. But back then, when I would receive comments about myself, it would affect me, of course. But when I receive comments about my family or when I receive comments about something exterior to me that was, let's say, in my circle, it really, really, really affected me. And then that affects me on the football pitch. That affects me on the training pitch. And this is the issue. Because, again, I'm meant to be the best every single game. And then that's just the fans. And the fans, obviously, they hide behind the keyboard. You know, they can say what they want. They all think they're hoorah, hoorah, whatever. But then you get the media involved as well. And the media will, in Indonesia, will pick up on absolutely anything. For an example, if I was to go out to a dinner with with, with some friends or with some teammates all the media will be there. If some of the boys liked to enjoy alcohol or if some of the boys, you know, liked to interact with other people, the media would be there, they'd take shots of us and they would extend the truth. Mm. So as an example, it was a dinner, but it turns into Aaron and some other mates or some teammates went out for a night drinking, a night partying, and then come to the weekend when it's time for the football match, if we win, it's swept under the rug. But mm. if we draw the match or we lose the match, this skyrockets. Front page of the news and and, and I'm myself and if I'm with other players are the reason why we lost. So we can't be normal. It, 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 it's insane. But I guess it shows their passion but they do obviously cross the line for sure. I think like when, when you hear conversations like this, like with yourself, professional athlete, you don't realize the heightened levels of scrutiny that you guys get and you have to deal with. And then I suppose it's like an endless cycle because then, like you say, you've got to go on pitch and play the best. And if the team don't win or you aren't the man of the match or something, you're highlighted as not that again. And it's just that in itself Man, I just congratulate you because, yeah, I don't think a lot of people realise just what people in the public eye go through at times. And because of media scrutiny and media highlights, it's making out to be the ultimate thing, but it is a profession at the end of the day. So how do you think along your journey, and you can only speak personally, how have you been able to remove judgment on other people without – because obviously we're humans, we judge whether good or bad, but what I've learned through my journey is – these stories, getting to know Aaron the person, and then I'm clapping the loudest for him. So have you done that in your journey with people? Absolutely. Um, And I think it 
I think it's okay to judge people, but I don't think it's okay to publicly or personally put people down. Mm. Like at the end of the day, I believe everybody has a judgment, has an opinion on absolutely everybody. Yeah. If you know the person and you have a judgment, you've had a personal relationship or a personal meeting with the person, I believe you're entitled to have your own judgment of that person, but you keep it to yourself. You don't go and tell your mate. You don't go and tell social media. You don't go and tell the media your encounter with that particular person. So myself included, I obviously have judgment of every single person in the world. It it comes naturally. But do I speak negatively of them or to them or about them behind their backs? Absolutely not because I don't want that done to me in return. If I don't think it's fair if I was to sit here and say that I can judge everybody, I can, you know, like this person, I cannot like this person, but then when it's turned back around on me, sit here and say, oh, why are people saying negative about me? Why am I in the media? Why am I this? I don't think that's okay. But like I said, I think... Every single person is allowed a judgment, but keep, keep keep it to yourself. I don't see an issue with with it, but also it's very hard to judge a person if you don't know that particular person. Like for example, if I was to judge you without us having a physical encounter, what right do I have to judge you if we haven't hadn't been on this podcast, if we hadn't spoken prior to this? That just doesn't make sense, yeah. and it's the same for me as a professional in the, in the professional, um, uh, sorry, in, in the spotlight. Okay. I'm on TV. Okay. I'm doing all these things, but you don't know me as a person, you know, me as Aaron, the football player. And I like to describe my job. We're actors. We, we, we put on a show. So Aaron on the football pitch, I can tell you right now is completely different to Aaron sitting here right now speaking. And if you've watched some of my highlights or you've even know some people who know me, my football style, I'm very aggressive. I'm very loud. I'm very dominant. I'm, I'm a leader. I get stuck in. I'm that kind of person. I, I look scary. You know, I've got all the tattoos, whatever. I'm, I'm bigger than everybody in Asia, whatever you want to say. So, yes, I am scary on the football pitch, but outside the football pitch, I'm a teddy bear. I'm the nicest guy. I'm the most humble guy. And this is also what I was recognized throughout the five-year time that I was in Indonesia, that people actually realized that I was a nice and humble guy. But it took so long for them to realize. And I even said this public, publicly to the media on ample amount of occasions that, as I just said to you, I am normal. I am humble. That's who I am. Yes, on the football pitch, I might look like a maniac, but that's not Aaron. That's an actor. That's a show. And that's also how I get my best performance. But me outside the football pitch is a completely different person. Like I would have so many people come up to me in the street and I've seen so many athletes or um, whoever ignore people. And that breaks my heart. Like whether they're young kids, whether they're adults, whether they're middle-aged people, if these people are coming up to you, like for the life of me, I don't know why somebody would neglect a photo or an autograph. Like, for example, it's 10 seconds of our lives, but it makes their whole day or makes their whole week. Yes, we're exhausted. Yes, we're tired. Yes, we've probably done it 
three, four hundred times in the day, but it's such a small thing that can mean so much more to somebody else. Yeah, that's it is. And it, it, again, it's just testament to the type of guy that you are, that you come across with, even through this conversation, through everything you've been through. And it's a question I don't know if you thought about because I tell everyone, what does being imperfectly perfect mean to you, Aaron? You're right. I haven't thought about this <laughs> on the spot. I love it. No, I love it. I think it. I think to me, well, you're never going to reach perfect. Nobody is. Even if you try to think you're going to reach perfect, you're never going to. You're going to get bumps. You're going to get bruises. You're going to get highs. You're going to get lows. But that's all part of the journey. It's like a we're like a painting or we're like a sculpture, you know, we're getting sculpted into what we're meant to do or where we're meant to be or whatever career path we're aligned for. In my case, it's obviously being a professional athlete, but also in saying that professional athletes don't last forever. So yeah, it's cool. Obviously I've obviously got the bumps, got the bruises, got the highlights, got the accolades, but also that's not forever. So, or you've got to also, not just be focused on where you are now. You've also got a plan or have a plan B or have a plan C in place. Even if you're not a professional athlete, just have them ticking in your mind so that if plan B arises, you already have something and you're not, you know, back sitting in your room in Thailand or you're back sitting in your room in Hong Kong and you're in your mind. So, that would be my answer. Nice, mate. And last question for you. What would you leave our audience thoughts for anybody in relation to mental well-being that if they're sat there, and again, we're not experts, we don't claim to be, it's personal experience through our stories. What advice would you give to anybody that maybe does look at highlight reels, that does scroll social media, that looks at Aaron Evans, the professional footballer? What would you say to somebody that that, that struggles with their mental health, thinking everybody else's life is better from this compare, comparison, judgment, this whole cycle of society that we're in? Look, I my best advice that I can give is it's going to happen. It even happens to me. I even look at people who have a more stellar career than me and I'm like, oh, why aren't I at that level? My best advice is still take motivation, still take you know the pride of wanting to get to that level, but know that it's okay to be where you are because you are where you are, but you're not going to be where you are forever if you put in the work. And it does require work. You can't just flick your fingers and I, I can't go from Aaron Evans to Lionel Messi overnight. It's not going to happen. Obviously, I want to get to where he is, but it takes time. It takes a process. It takes self-talk. It takes self-motivation. It takes maybe finding a new group of people or doing something that you're uncomfortable with to get to that next step. But whatever step you're at, you just need to tell yourself that that's okay where you are because you are okay. You have a house over your head. You have a place to sleep. You have food on the table. You have all these things. And this is a fantastic feeling. Of course, we all want to be millionaires, billionaires, whatever. But if that's your goal, then you've got to figure out a plan 
and take steps to get to that. You can't just sit here or we, you and I just can't sit here and be like, oh, we want to get to such and such and just sit here and it's going to happen. No, if that's where you want to get to, let's start making a plan. If, if you're a visual person, let's start to visualize it. If you're a person who likes to write things down, write it down and then implement the things you're either thinking and implement the things you're either writing down and you can get there because nothing, nothing is impossible. If you want to get to some, somewhere, if you want to be something, it is there and it is at arm's reach away. It just depends on if you want to put in the work, if you want to put in the effort to get there. And it's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. I guarantee you, even in my life, I've got more no's than I can think of. But have I given up? No, I haven't. And will I give up? No, I won't. And yes, a no hurts. Yes, being rejected or, you know, yes, feeling down hurts. But in my mind, I think, okay, that wasn't the right path for me. But there is a right path for me. And that's the, for me, that's the best thing to have in my mind to mentally keep myself stable as well. Because I like to tell myself as well is everything's not going to fall into your hands. Everything's not going to go your way all the time. If it was or if it did, everybody would be at the peak all the time. And unfortunately, that's life and life's not like that. But you do have a chance to get to where you want to if you are mentally and physically in tune with yourself and work out the ways that you that work for you, it is possible. I love that. And I just felt led to ask you this, just in relation to the length of your career. You know, these days, again, with society, with this comparison syndrome, and we hear a lot of so-called experts and each to their own, no judgment, but it's like, follow my 12-week program, I can make you a millionaire, this, this fast route to success, basically. How long has it taken you, Aaron, to become an overnight success? 28 years, 11 months, and however many days. <laughs> it was not an overnight overnight success, I can assure you. And even throughout my career, like obviously I'm not where I want to be. So I'm not at the peak. I'm not where I want to be. And I'm still working towards that. And I know I will achieve it. But my peak, obviously, as an example, my, 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 my peak would be to play in the English Premier League to playing one of the top five leagues in the world. That's my dream. That's my peak. I'm not there. But also in saying that, I've reached my own personal peak. Mm-hmm. And I've got to be proud of that. Yeah, That's something to, to be proud of as well. Well, this has been an incredible conversation, mate. Full of wisdom. I think after after your career, mate, I think there's going to be a lot of personal development there with the wisdom that you, <laughs> that you pour out. But where can people find more information about you? So I'm obviously across all social media platforms. Um, you name it, Instagram, Facebook, the new threads, X, as we call Twitter now, all of them. I'm there, Aaron Evans. Um, and if you guys are listening on the podcast, like we've said, I am humble. I'm willing to have a chat. I'm not big. I'm not scary. So feel free to reach out to me if, you, if you're struggling or if you want advice or you just want to have a chat. I'm here to have a chat. I love chatting to people. I love helping people. I love giving back to people. I love giving my advice to people. So my inboxes door is mouth is always open and I'm willing to, to facilitate anybody who's interested in hearing more.
Nice, love that, mate. And guys, you need to watch his uh, his training videos. I've seen you down with Jono training, and you train your ass off, mate. So, <laughs> see, um, but that's, guys, that's for the men. That's for the mental side, mate. Yeah, but you're doing that all day, and then you're going on the pitch as well. Like bloody hell, mate. It's uh, yeah, that's a lot. That's yeah, mental. <laughs> I'm going to put all the links up to where you can find Aaron. No, um, but no just worries. remember, guys, the main thing about imperfectly perfect campaign is to go past superficial conversations to go deeper get to know people for who they are rather than the profession. And the main thing is keep having the conversations because it's the hard conversations that save lives. To find out more about the Imperfectly Perfect campaign and how you can get involved, simply head to our official website at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org or email us today at info at imperfectlyperfectcampaign.org to speak to one of the team. The Imperfectly Perfect campaign is creating awareness and is not a substitute for professional advice. Should you need help, please refer to your nearest crisis number.